Welcome to Neuromovement Revolution with Anat Benyel, where you will discover breakthrough possibilities for your life through the brain's power to change. We're so happy that you can join us in making the impossible possible. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Anat. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, everyone. Neil and I just said it feels like it's been a really long time since we were here with you. And um, very happy to be here. Absolutely. So we're here this morning for episode 25 of the Neuro Movement Revolution podcast. And the topic we chose for today is take care of yourself first. Parents are told this, yes, but how? So when taking care of our children, especially if a child has special needs, our focus turns fully on our child. Parents often need to be told of the importance of taking care of themselves in order to be able to provide for the care of their child. This is easier said than done. In this podcast, we will explore why, or sorry, the why and the how of taking care of yourself. Okay, wonderful. So, um, you know, I, I keep hearing, first of all, we hear it in general. Oh, you have to take care of yourself, which I agree with. And and uh, when it comes to parents or to caretakers, is a, this is becoming a big topic because of actually the aging population and the sandwich generation, those who are between uh, the, the, their parents to children and caretakers to their parents. And the term caretaker burnout is a, is a one that's becoming more and more, you know, prevalent. And the, of course, we work with a lot of children and parents, and we see we see the what is going on. So, I I thought I would I would like to bring it and speak about it, and then you guys will leave you, um, a, you know, plenty of room to tell your experiences, to ask questions, which I think will be very important. So the first thing is a, about taking care of yourself while you're taking care of someone else. Um, and I'm going to refer to right now specifically for a moment children with special needs but it's it's true in general uh, you can uh, uh, expand it or what's the word generalize yeah i know there's one in mathematics you can extrapolate uh, you can extrapolate uh, uh, from that to to other to, to other situations so when you have a child and if the child is sick or there's some kind of emergency situation or an acute situation it might not be emergency but it's pretty acute and and it can be you know recurring or somewhat ongoing really the best way in a way to take care of yourself first of all is to pay attention and take care of the child because <clears throat> as a parent or as a caretaker and as somebody who cares for and loves the child if the child is in obvious need, the, the thing that will make me and you, and I believe pretty much everyone, feel the best, 
take care of my need is to take care of the child. This is the front, you know, need. Um, so, and so it's because when people say take care of yourself, it's like, oh, just leave the house, you know, have a babysitter, go to the movies, take a massage, all of which are really, really great. But if the child is really in an acute situation, everything else just falls off the shelf. I mean, it's, it's not appropriate. Within that, we will talk, how do you then continue to take care of yourself so you don't crash? Which is then you can't take care of your child, you can't take care of anybody. But, but so again, the distinction is sometimes the best, the best way uh, within a certain parameters, the best way to take care of yourself is to focus on the child and to focus on the well-being of the child. When a, we talk about more ongoing things, you know, ongoing life, more normalized uh, life, um, Okay, I think I'm going to change the order. When you do have an ongoing or recurring acute situation over a length of time, um, then there needs to, I believe, there needs to be intentional organization and, and bringing certain players into one's life that does allow you, the parent, you, the caretaker, you know, even the therapist, you know, that allows for the child to be safe and well taken care of and for you, whatever your position is, to step outside of the stressful situation and take care of yourself. So that might look like hiring. If it's very extreme, it might look like hiring a nurse. Or if when people don't have the means necessarily to do it, depends where you live, depends on the situation. There are services where you can get a certain amount of help come to the home and, and or to the hospital or to where, where you can actually go and eat, sleep, take a shower, perhaps be with another human being that can support you, that can you can talk to, that you can, so, so in an ongoing demanding, highly demanding situation, um, the, the idea is to um, create a structure that allows you, allows your spouse, allows the grandmother, allows the grandfather, allows everyone to take their turn in terms of self-care, regeneration, recovery, and and sometimes even getting a bit of a perspective. <coughs> so that's for that. And uh, so then why, and then it's true for everybody, the idea of taking care of yourself. So let's talk about why. So I think you have a small story, Neil, to tell that is like perfect for this, it wasn't planned. It certainly was not planned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had first-hand experience of this um, in the last week. Um, I work very closely with an art. I have done for a number of years, and I love it. And I actually find the white, the light, the I find the work very rejuvenating to do. 
Um, and we have had some incredible projects recently. We just got back, we told you from, from Canada, doing introducing the work into a school system. And we've been, we've Open just launched a new, a new training and we're in the middle of a children's mastery and another training and we have a thriving private practice and we're speaking at conferences and- I wrote a chapter <laughs> without you. You wrote a chapter without me, yes. <laughs> yes. So, it, I mean, there's just been a lot going on and- um, Actually two chapters. Very good. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Two chapters, meaning chapter for books, like contributing to the book. Yeah. Two and books, yeah. Uh, I realized that I had not had, like, basically any time off really this year. So I, unfortunately, I had a week coming up where I was not scheduled to give lessons in the private practice. So I decided I would have a staycation. And it was all going smoothly until like the third day of the staycation when I was standing in the supermarket and developed like really debilitating back pain, which is not something I'm used to. And um, the, the thing that I initially thought was that I had a kidney stone. It was that severe, which is apparently from my medical training, I was told the kidney, kidney renal colic is the closest a man can experience to the pain of childbirth. <laughs> I've spoken to women who've both given birth and had renal colic, and they say there is no comparison, but it's, you know, it's one of the severe pains a man can feel. And I have had a kidney stone, and I, this is what I thought it was. So it was, it was pretty severe, but I realized over the course of the next 24 hours that, no, this was something musculoskeletal. I had no idea. Um, but it, it meant, you know, it was fortunate I was off last week because I would not have been able to work. And, of course, from my staycation point of view, it was annoying. But it gave me um, both a sort of a chance to, to feel even more empathic towards the clients that I work with because I got, a, you know, a real extra insight into what it is to live with pain. But it also gave me an opportunity to, to reflect, first of all, to... to use the work that I've been studying and, and working at uh, over and practicing for the last 14 years to actually work through this. And, you know, it, it comforted me to realize that both I know a lot and that the work works because I've got back to full functioning and, you know, more than full functioning. You know, I sort of, I discovered things about myself after doing this work for 14 years that I didn't know before, both physically and mentally and emotionally. So it's been an incredible experience, not one that I would have chosen, and maybe one that I could have avoided had I sort of actually stepped back and taken care of myself a little bit sooner. So we don't want to wait till the crisis yeah, exactly. evolves, yeah. you know, develops. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so the the one reason to to take care of ourselves is to stay functional. <laughs> and when you're taking care of a child and the, or there are other people who depend on you, then, then taking, uh, take, being, being able to function, first of all, you don't want to really crash because then it's, you know, it's obvious. But even, so, the, the, so there are different levels. One is crashing. The other, the other level is just reduced level of function. You don't think as well. You don't uh, function as well. Maybe you're you're, you get irritated more quickly. You find yourself more in situations where you have to apologize later. Um, so that so that's more like a chronic degradation of of the whole system. If 
you know, the a leader, because if you're a parent, you are the leader. And when the leader degrades their functioning, the system pay, you know, pays a, a price. So the, the, and then there's, of course, the long-term things, long-term stress, the cortisol, you know, the, the hormone, the whole, the, the insult on the nervous system, the insult on the digestion. Uh, the, there, I mean, actually, the, the idea that a certain amount of stress is actually healthy, just like the stress that we have on the bones when we move, and we can amplify it by doing some weightlifting or things like that is actually healthy. When you take the stress of weight completely from the bones, what happens to astronauts, they lose tons of calcification in their bones. So, so the, the stress, a certain amount of stress is computed in our system as an element that facilitates our optimal health. So the idea that we can't handle health or we shouldn't have health, a, a stress and we, we shouldn't have stress is actually, in my mind, a big mistake. Yes, it's not about avoiding stress. It's not just avoiding. It's not just eliminating stress. Because yeah. some people think, oh, my God, this is stress. It's bad for me. Yeah. No. Being able to function well, getting alert, getting to action, being able to think sharply. But so the, the right kinds and amounts of stress is a good idea. The, and what I mean by right kinds of amounts of, of the right kinds of stress you know, being run over by a car is not a stress that, I mean, the body can heal, the bones can heal, but it's kind of like not the stress I'm talking about or, or other kinds of trauma. That's not, but normal, re reasonable stress, physical, mental, emotional, fine. You, you should celebrate it. However, a, 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 a heightened amount of stress, chronic or acute stress, ongoing acute stress, is 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 very damaging on a metabolic level on a neurological you know the structure of the brain and on our ability to function and maybe our ability to also enjoy life for some extent that's also a good idea okay so so the why is well, i just said it in their books there was a book i think already 20 years ago or something there was a big thing about stress and relaxation so it's not actually a new thing at all, but it's renewed and it's renewed with extra information, you know, and so on. So then we come to the how. And I want to talk about it just like five or so more. Are you getting some Well, I'm going to say a um, comment from Jessica. She said, looking forward to hearing some tips. <laughs> <laughs> Great, Jessica. I love it. Anyway, so... Um, the how the very very first step of the how is rec learning to recognize when we are stressed and just like in the work that we do with the movement you know when i teach let's say workshops or trainings and i say to people go gently move with the move don't don't use too much force or more force than needed in order to move across the board almost always everyone is using more force because that's the habit right so we don't feel it like too much force we have to first of all reduce enough the force to know the difference remember the perception of differences the same thing with stress so the one thing that you can do so if jessica if you're asking that you know you're stressed 
I mean, you've come to the level of quote-unquote effort, right? The, the intensity of stress where you actually recognize as being so. And, and that's excellent. It's a first step. I wouldn't say it's 50% of by recognizing it, but it's absolutely without it, nothing will, much will happen. And the very, very first thing is in baby steps. So I'm, I'm giving, I'm going to give you silly examples. You can, you know, give me specific examples from your life. I might be able to be a little bit more honed in, but give information. So I, can, I've, I and Neil have something to work with. Um, uh, uh, but let's say you have to go shopping, right? Food. You have to go to the supermarket or to Whole Foods or to wherever you shop. And, and uh, somebody, and let's say you, you're lucky. And let's say, first of all, you're not that lucky. And you have to take your kid with you. And they're going to sit on the cart. You're going to have them seated. Let's say they're young enough to sit in the car. And they're going to want everything. They're going to want to buy this and buy this and buy that. Uh, you can set it up and decide ahead of time that this time going to the supermarket is not time to educate and correct your child's behavior. You can just decide to give yourself a bubble of half an hour where you're not going to see that your kid is absolutely impossible and asking for too many things. and But you can set it up by saying, you, you know, you say we're going to put four things in the cart and you're going to choose one and and that's how it's going to go. So you let, and then you, you, you reduce the stress. You can even make it perhaps a little playful. And you say, is that thing you want or is that? Which one do you want? Because we're going to choose one. They point, you put it in the cart. And then you say, you can even do it smarter. He wants another thing. You take that, you take the thing in the cart. You say, do you want this or do you want that? You find a way to make it so you're not training your kid not to ask for a million things all the time. So that is just a little example of a way to do that. Another way is if you can have a neighbor, a nanny, a babysitter, a nurse, a grandmother, and you might already be doing it, you you have, you have you get the shower. Let's say you have time to take a shower. I remember when my daughter was little, and so many parents have this experience, taking a 10-second shower kind of thing because the kid is screaming and crying and asks, he wants you to get out of the shower. <coughs> so that, and if the kid is going to, so the, your husband, your whatever, so you can have peace, literally physical peace, and you take, we all conserve the environment, but you take a slightly longer shower or you take a bath or you go to the supermarket yourself and you make that a little vacation. These are little mini, you know, anywhere between five, 10 minutes of just like you don't have to carry or think or worry about anything. And you start training yourself to do that. Because what happens to us when we, our stress is becomes habituated and then we bring a stress reaction to almost anything to washing the dishes oh my god i've got to cook oh my god i've got to get some cucumbers for the salad oh my god i've got to answer i forgot to call this person we actually train ourselves to be selective and in what we agree to be stressed by and then how to bring a background 
degree of calm to the stressful situation. Anything in the meanwhile from people? Yes, so um, first of all, a comment. Uh, my brother, who is a doctor, told me about ABM two months ago. His wife had a dissected aorta almost four years ago. She had a what? Dissected aorta. Oh, aorta, yeah. wow. And she is seeing a practitioner in Chicago with remarkable results. She's walking now without walking sticks and has increased stamina. So thank you By for that comment. By the way, doing our work is a huge way to reduce well, stress. So this yes. next, the, this yeah. is a question from yes. Allah. Um, she said, uh, would you suggest doing your ABM lessons as a rest or taking care of yourself practice for somebody physically tired, taking care of others in order to recharge? Or does one need to be rested and feel well in order to do the ABM? I love a lot of the questions there. First of all, can you believe I, I didn't mention this is the first thing, <laughs> but it's a, it's a great, great, great question. Uh, <clears throat> if you can. I mean, if you're at the point of fatigue where the only thing you can imagine is the beeline to bed, then it's not time to do the lesson. Sleep first and then do the lesson. But otherwise, my experience, you know, I look to do more of, of the, my work uh, myself, to do the movement lessons. And very often, if the day was very full and I did a lot of stuff, bringing myself to most lessons are done lying down some sitting of course and so on but to bring myself to lie down and focus on the movements it just doing the transition because i have already to allow myself to feel to be home it's a beginning step of being home but i've been doing it for a long long time and i'm still like neil i do one lesson i sleep better for two three nights I, I, my thinking gets clearer and I, I, it's like the lens of how I experience the world gets pinker, gets rosier, gets, it's like reset, rearranges everything. So the perspective of the perspective of reality actually changes. And the first time I experienced that, I was, I would guess around seven years old. When I, my dance teacher taught family crisis movement lessons. And I, you know, like a lot of children, I had my stuff and my, my things during my childhood. And I would all of a sudden feel well and, and just like home and peaceful. It's very, very regenerating because it gets the brain to find its own home, you know, metaphorically speaking. I don't need to go into theoretical explanation here. So the answer is a resounding yes. And there's another element here. The, if, the more consistently you do the lessons, the more outcome you'll get. It's almost like after you do one, you do the second one, there's a carryover from the first one. And your, your brain doesn't just get to where you were in the first lesson faster. And of course, the lessons change, right? It's very important to keep moving from one to the other to the other. Because it's, the novelty is an important, and the change is very important in the process. But you, the brain itself gets to the level where it was at the end of the first lesson much quicker during the second lesson. That means that you end the second lesson and your brain is organized and functioning even at a better place. And you actually train your brain to operate at a higher level ongoingly. 
and and that's extremely powerful you know one of the things is when there's like an acute situation very often people are when they're very stressed and anxious the thinking goes out the window and people just get like you know running you know like that and one of the things that happen and i think neil can attest to that when it's a real acute situation i i don't know my brain just knows to go to its highest level rather than lowest level i don't i i know i can get panic after the fact but yeah but yeah and it was very interesting i had this sort of like meta awareness of like you know i could i could feel myself being tugged in certain directions and then like going, no, I know, I know something about this. I can do something with this. And I did, and it worked. And that just fueled it more. So it's, you know, as as you say, that the lessons, doing the lessons becomes a skill that you get better at. And I find now that just, you know, getting down on the floor and doing the first movement, I'm I'm there. I come home to that place. I'm there in, in, you know, immediately. And then the lesson just can take me even further. So. Yeah, and further in terms of outcomes, further in terms of how you feel and further in the quality of the functioning of your brain. So what the Dr. Merzenich, you know, the you know, famous neuroscientist said about our work is that this work makes helps create better, stronger brains. And obviously that leads to, and by the way, the physiological processes improve. Digestion improves. I mean, the kids that come to us, you know, the parents, they know that the kids get calmer, they get stronger, they get less reactive, they are less fearful. And we don't do work on fear. We work on improving the functioning of the brain and the system. And with it, those, you know, benefits come. So thank you so much for asking this question. So we have uh, some comments related to this, some from practitioners, actually. Mo Brilio. Um, hi, Mo. I find when I feel stress building, doing a lesson takes me out of the circumstances and home to myself. Lovely. And just heard from Justin Pickin. Hi, Justin. Hi, Justin. Love Thank having you on the call. Yeah. Thank you for this, Anand Neil. The more I practice, the better I feel. But for my own well-being, I've found that doing the lessons at home for myself both aids me in my practice and I see some of the same results for myself that you are talking about here. Fantastic. Um, there's a question here um, from Charlene. She said, I've been trying to deal with my teenager, 15, who misses her brother. My son passed away two years mm. ago at I'm his so father's sorry. house away. She is angry and so upset. I'm a single mom doing everything myself. Thank you for any help. Oh, my God. So, oh, I, first of all, really, I'm so sorry to... Here, did you understand what Charlene. the away what the away means? Um, well, they he wasn't with the mum yeah. and the sister when was he was it? when he passed. He was at the father's. Yeah, they're, they're separated. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Charlene, uh, was the uh, brother a, a ill, and then as a result passed away, or some something else happened because it it. It, it, if you can just answer, you know, and I'll wait a moment till you let us know just a little bit more. And then I will definitely give you whatever I can think of providing for you. Uh, a return comment from Jessica. 
She said, I actually went back to work full time when my son was younger and diagnosed as it gave me the headspace to be my old self for periods and have a nanny at home. Now we are in a different phase and I'm at home full time and home educating my son with needs. So much harder. Dedicated self-care, my own Feldenkrais sessions have become essential to survive and gin and tonics. <laughs> as long as it's not too much of the gin and tonics. <laughs> Gail Rivas says, uh, an object of yeah, rest... Yeah, but I want, I want to say something about okay. that. Yeah. Um, what was the name of uh, Judith? Uh, Jessica. Jessica, that, that you just read. Yes. Uh, <coughs> what I, first of all, I, what I like, or what I want to point out from, from your uh, share, Jessica, is that uh, everyone needs to find their ways of reducing stress and it's a great thing to have a big menu like a, a buffet a big buffet of possibilities because everybody's conditions are different and so on and so forth and preferences so going back to work can be a wonderful thing what what working in an adult environment it calls on on you to perform and and also move associates you to the time before you are in this very challenging situation, which is also helps you, your brain, you find back home and, and is satisfying and gives you a break. It actually gives you a break. So, so that is, a, that, that is great. And now, you know, you're, you're a full-time care, caretaker. So here again, I don't know the situation, but I think, I'm trying to think, uh, you know, I have no idea of the specifics. So what I'm saying could be completely not relevant or inappropriate for you. But the, if there is a portion, I don't know the condition of the child, but if there is a portion of homeschooling in the situation, and I don't know if you are doing it already or not, maybe even connecting with one other parent or two other parents where either you take turns or if the kids are too too um, uh, require too much attention so you can't have more than one kid even have the, the parents together and the children together but one parent sort of introduces something to the three children and then you know the other parent does it and and so so one of the things that I like about bringing more than one child is so many reasons to do it. But when I uh, for the first time quite a few years ago, when I, I started, took me quite a, quite a while to get to the point that I felt I could train people directly how to work with children with special needs. Uh, I mean, I, I did the training as a general training first as family crisis and then as an Adbanil method neural movement. And, and so when I moved it to an Advanian Method Neuro Movement, I re rearranged the whole thing in a way that I thought would be a whole lot more potent and powerful and would allow for me to, to be free to, to teach uh, as I evolved uh, my own knowledge. I, 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 and the, then I had the idea, and I liked my own idea, of bringing doing a practicum that means having five to seven at the time it was either five or seven kids at once so we put tables in the space and five parents or up to seven parents showed up with a child with special needs 
and my the 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 trainees were the ones working with the children and I was just going and helping them, you know, from table and overseeing the whole thing. So that was a fantastic idea. And the morning that I woke up, that I had to go in, I panicked. I mean, not panicked, like clinically panicked, but I panicked. And I thought, why did I have to do it? I'm going to have five or seven children screaming. And if one child cries, all other children cry. And what am I doing? And and I really, I was, I was worried. <laughs> and then the kids came in and the most magnificent thing happened. They were aware of each other's presence and no one cried. Now, now we are doing it and we have up to, what, 16, 12 in the room? 12, 13, 14, maybe. Yes, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Rarely we have a child that cries. You know, it does happen. It's not like they never cry. But even when a child cries, the other kids kind of look at the kid and then they look at the other kids and they, they, it's, it's, it's magical. It's what that does. The kids are aware of the presence of other kids and it normalizes what is going on and phenomenal. So I don't know if you do it, but I'd recommend that. I'd recommend to do short periods of time. Um, and, and, uh, and I'd also recommend to read in the book or listen to, I talked about each essential in the podcast or both, flexible goals. You know, we know the age of the child. We know what we want the child to be able to do. All very good. And then connecting to the child and being being easy on yourself. Easy. I mean, I'm very, very intentional when I work with kids. It's not like, oh, well, let's see what happens. I'm, there's nothing fuzzy about my approach. <laughs> knows. And nothing fuzzy in my way that I coach my teachers and so on. And at the same time, a big element of how we work and how I approach the work is I'm dealing with what is right now. And I know that there's just so much that can happen per period of time. And all I look is for engagement and change, engagement and change, not specific outcomes. And that alone can just reduce the stress so, so much. Engagement, applying the essentials, observing if there's change, if it's not successful, shift what you do. Nobody knows. I never know ahead of time what I'm going to do because I'm... I. I can just cheat myself, but I can't know. Nobody knows ahead of time. You can just have an intention, take the first step, have a box of a toolbox, have ideas, have other people helping, whatever you want, and then just see what happens and go with what happens to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. I am pretty much never, ever stressed when I work, when I work with clients. Never. Doesn't matter what happens. Because I'm at my best when I work. I'm not at my best when I don't work. <laughs> but I'm, I try to. But I'm at my best when I work. And when I work, I do what I teach. Which is, I'm there with the child. I'm there with the parent. I'm interested in what's going on. And I just look for a way to engage. And then, I, as I engage, there is whatever happens with the other person. So I'll give you a very technical, mechanical thing. Let's say I'm working with a child with spastic cerebral palsy. 
and I start moving the leg and the leg gets really spast. You know, you get like, the, I go like, okay, let's back up. I back up and I go, may, and I think, I know what I did. I feel like, you know, I'm there. So I go like, maybe I moved the child too fast or maybe the child didn't expect me to touch her and she got alarmed and that's why. So maybe if that's what they think happened, I said to her, oh, I touched you too abruptly. Not that I was necessarily abrupt, but I surprised you. You know, I name it. So I have the child have some order in their experience. And then I, I, I say, let's see, maybe if I touch slower, you don't, let's see what your leg will do. And then if it does it again, I say, how about we let this leg alone and let's see if we can do something else. And I, I have my own techniques and stuff and so on to come about and get to that leg again later. The same thing you do with behaviors, the same, you know, with the child reaction. You ask a child a question, they burst out crying. You say, oh, I asked you a question, you're crying. And then you try to do something with it, you know, and see if you can, you know, something like that. Is the woman, the yes, mother, yeah, yeah. the single mother came Charlene. back? Charlene, yes. So she says, um, my son was very depressed and isolated himself. He was only 21. Hmm. Uh, I also had a TBI in 2006, and it's been a rough recovery just for myself. I just want you to know you are awesome. Thank you. Oh, Sh Sh Charlene. Yeah, and how many years ago did the son die? Two, two years. Two years. And the, the daughter yeah. is 15, 15 now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, Charlene. Woo. Neil and I try not to cry. <laughs> Stop it. Help me out. Okay. Oh, this is just heartbreaking. Okay. Hey, first of all, thank you for, for reaching out and for asking. And um, your daughter. Um, being 15 is already tough. Uh, being, you know, with, with a single mom, I was a single mom, tough. Uh, if the situation with the father, you know, is not necessarily good, tough. It all builds up. And I know you know it, but I want to speak it so I can speak to ideas. Uh, I don't know what the father is like. I don't know, but I think that probably there's enormous amount of guilt, you know, swirling in the space. Um, and also there is this thing of, there's this thing of getting the idea, right? Her brother killed himself and it's like, should I kill myself too? Or why did he do it? And it's it's very, very hard having somebody commit suicide that you're close to is truly, truly very, very challenging. So um, I don't know where you live, but if you were near us, I would just say, please, please bring your daughter to us, at least for a few sessions. Because through the work, to first of all, have her experience comfort and some peace. Um, I would... I don't know the, how available she is to talk to you. I don't know how safe or skilled you feel discussing it. I don't know how much you have discussed it. Um, 
but if you find a really skillful and operating ma major way is a skillful therapist, somebody that you know works with teenagers that have worked in around issues of of death and loss and suicide, and that is very uh, look for a sane therapist. <laughs> I mean, look for someone that is humane and doesn't you know create more cookiness and interpretations but someone that really gives space for the for your child to um go through what she's going through and um i have no idea how how, how responsive she's and so on doing the movement lessons i mean how available it's not i'm sure she'll be responsive but how available she is to um, do the, you know, the DVDs, the video lessons would, could be nice for her. Let us know where you live, because if you live in an area where there's a practitioner we know that has the, the skill set to deal with your daughter, I would, will, you know, email us at, uh, just email us at uh, either staff, Staff at, yeah. staff at method.com You know, we should have an email podcast at method.com So that'd be so easy to tell yes. people. Yes. Let's let's start doing that. Okay, so, but in the meanwhile, staff at method.com For you, absolutely do the movement lessons. I've had, I'm just thinking, we've had, we worked with a lot of, you know, TBI, but a, a, in terms of just the movement lessons, one of our graduates, one of our practitioners, she was also a physical therapist, a wonderful woman, and she had a concussion. And that was maybe 10 years ago, I think, and nobody took her seriously. You know, it was, oh, you just did a concussion. It's nothing, it's a concussion. And she she couldn't work. She, she remember? Oh, you don't know, you were still not. Anyway. And she actually came to the training program as support staff so she could lie on the floor and do all the movement lessons again. It's very intense. And by doing the movement lessons intensely, she clearly lost one symptom after another. Uh, they got either weaker, the, the symptoms weakened, lessened. People say the symptoms got better. I can't say it because if they got better, that means they got more of themselves, right? So they weakened, they lessened, the symptoms lessened until they disappeared. And, and uh, so, so I think it's, it's important you do it. If you can, can get also some private sessions, that will also be fantastic. So, um, and, and for your daughter, oh my God, I so wish I could just put my hands on her, <laughs> you know, and work with her. I don't know where you are. Um, I've worked, I've worked with the, uh, not huge numbers, but I've worked with suicidal teenagers. I've worked with, um, you know, with teenagers. And, and it's, they're great to work with because they're like young children. You know, once it works, you know, they're really themselves. They're really like extremely themselves. So it's really wonderful to work with them. Yeah. I hope it's helpful. I don't know what else to say right now. Uh Charlene says, thank you. We live in South Lake Tahoe. Oh, my God. Come yes, down. your videos have helped me. Thank you. I mean, I don't know if you can, but can you guys just come 
uh, down to we're in Marin County. I mean, if you can just uh, so email scheduling, like the word to schedule scheduling at anadbanielmethod.com and just. Bring yourself and your daughter for a couple of days. Get, uh, I don't know, two lessons a day. I don't know. Arrange with the lead and just give it a try. And uh, yeah, yeah. And I, mean, I was thinking about the training program, you know, but uh, mm -hmm. it's uh, where we do the practicum. Your daughter would have, we could have slid her in because we take, you know, um, till 17 years old. But, but, uh, First of all, it's in Tucson, so it's going to cost you a whole lot more than just coming down to us. But, but we, anyway, we'll have to. We can't do that. That was just a thought. You okay. raised that. Yes. So, um, a question from Jessica. Following on, she said, "Thank you very much for all the advice." Um, she said, "Are the exercises in any of your books to guide us if we're not ABM trained?" So I guess, you know, the question is, what? how would you recommend diving in and doing the lessons if you're not a practitioner? Not a problem. Uh, 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 do them gently, do them slowly. Uh, uh, don't do too many repetitions. It's not exercise in the usual sense. It's uh, generating movement as a way to communicate with yourself, as a way to communicate with your brain. As a way to this for the, you know, what Neil told me that he didn't tell uh, you earlier this morning is when he did those lessons, he did one lesson where he could then feel again where the pain was, but it wasn't full blown. And he went like, oh, maybe I did too much. Maybe I did too hard. You know, he was concerned. He hurt himself. And a few hours later, he felt fantastic. That means the brain, that's why it's so good to do the lessons before you go to sleep. Because when, when you do it before you go to sleep, the brain has time to, to go around and mush around and figure itself out and, 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 and build those new uh, neural networks, you know, the patterns. And utilize the experience to enhance you. So the lessons are not directly fixing you, but they're giving the opportunity for change to occur and positive change to occur so uh you can do them and if you don't have the, the videos or dvds that's okay uh but but and you want to just do the ones that the, the short ones in the in the uh, uh, move into life in moving move to life, life has 10 short ten, 10 short lessons you can also try them by reading but then you can have someone else and record them just record them on your phone you know, and you say, lie on your back and just think you're giving space, you're giving time, and then listen to your own recording. You don't have to use the book, the book itself anymore. End of each podcast, like a five-minute Yes, yes. So, so you know, we, we only have a one, two, we only have three podcasts left for this year a, a, in addition to today because of the holidays, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas. So, so this year we're not, but next year we're going to do a, 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 a launch of the how we do the. the, the Are we thing. that close to the end of the year? Oh my I guess goodness. I know it's going to start soon. Yes. <laughs> so um, Charlene said, "Okay," and thank you, thank you, thank you, and a heart. Uh, Allah, who asked the question earlier, thank you for talking about the siblings needing to take needing to care too. Sorry, the siblings needing care too. It's so hard for them too. 
Yeah, and I want to say something about that, Allah. Uh, you know, uh, I think that any time there's a child with special needs, there needs to be a plan, an intentional uh, uh, intervention with the other siblings. Because um, even when they're already uh, 15 or 12 and they understand that the sibling has a problem, the biggest currency of life is attention. Is in, in humans, I can say for sure, but, you know, dogs. I mean, attention, love is life, is survival, is uh, being fed, is being safe. So attention is a big, big currency. And when children are very young, they're totally self-centered. That's, that's how they're organized. They don't, they don't have the ability to say, oh, you know, daddy is really tired, so it's okay. It's not about me. Not possible. And very many adults never really get out of that phase, that evolution. And it's, it's not like putting people down. It takes real development, and it's not automatic. So... So when the child, uh, when a child has a sibling that has special needs, they by default will be getting a lot more attention. And it's not good enough to explain to the child why you say, "Oh yeah, but they're not, you know, they can't walk, and you can walk, and that's why we have to give them help and blah blah blah." You can say that, but I wouldn't go down that road much. I would go like. I'd acknowledge it. I'd say your brother is having difficulty walking and we are running around trying to help him. And we're going to also pay attention to you. You don't have to have a problem with your legs for us to pay attention to you. That's what I would say to the children. And I'll find ways to pay attention to them. I'll find, I'll find out what they're interested in. Ask them if they're too young. You generate it. But I will name the situation. I will. Nothing is wrong. You know, it's like this is going on and we're going to do it. And we're going to also. So there is the afternoon you're with him or you're, you, the, the grand, grandmother takes, the, I don't know, figure it out. But it's not that complicated once you know. And by the way, apropos stress, we'll reduce the stress for everyone because everybody's needs will be met better. So thank you for naming it. So we have a, a comment from one of our new trainees, oh, okay. Carolyn Cogan. Hi, Carolyn. So it's so nice to see and hear you. When I returned home after segment one of the practitioner training, I had trouble settling into my normal life. <laughs> after a few days of feeling off balance, I decided to start doing a movement lesson every morning or evening, or both, from our training notes. I quickly recovered my enthusiasm and ability to handle the demands of my family life. I'm so excited to start segment two, which started yesterday online, that I've already completed seven videos plus two bonus videos. Thank you for your beautiful work. Oh, thank you, Caroline. And it's really amazing. And thank you for taking charge that way and initiative on your own part. And yes, it is hard to get back into life, you know, because you start living in the world we would have wanted everyone to live in. And it's not a world of just, it's a world of where people are aware, where people are developing the ability for self-connection and connection to other. And, and it's an ability of, of a more mature society. So you are going to be one of the drivers of that. So that's awesome. 
We have time. We, yeah, we yes, have time. We do, yeah. So Ala again, who um, is you there just, anybody else that we ignored? No, I'm being very democratic. Okay, so Ala again. So, yes. um, Hi, Ala. Thank you for participating. <laughs> she says one more question about the tired person taking care of oneself while doing the ABM lesson. I have scoliosis, and often lying on the mat on the floor is painful for me, and then I can't focus on the movement, so I just don't do it. Sitting is sometimes painful too. Any reason not to do the lessons lying on a soft bed instead? Well, I was just going to say, then start by lying on a bed. If the bed is very soft, I mean, many beds now have a pretty sturdy portion of the mattress. And then on top of it, there is like a padding so that you sink into the bedding, but you still have a sturdy ground. If you have the kind of soft that does this when you move, it'll be a bit more challenging. Otherwise, and anyway, do do it on, on, the, on the mattress, on the bed. Uh, take away pillows, take away, you know, disruptive stuff. But if you need to support under your head, make yourself comfortable. That is, by the way, pain is an exp is an expression is an expression of stress and a generator of stress pain signifies something is off so that's already stress and experiencing the pain is also stressful so it's a double stress so it's very very important if we want to induce change is to not feel pain so thank you so so very much for asking <coughs> and and just uh, do it easy, do it light. And then if you want eventually, and when you sit, you do lessons in sitting because we have, you know, the, uh, uh, what is it? The Healthy dynamic sitting or desk uh, trainer. No, no, no. Yeah. There's one for scoliosis. It's, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, healthy healthy backs, backs and scoliosis. And pain relief. And pain relief. Yeah. So <coughs> sit. And do shorter times of sitting before the pain. Put the chair near your bed and then lie on the bed. And enjoy the comfort and then sit and just do, even if it's the first instruction, do two movements and lie and rest. Don't wait to feel the pain. Do one movement and lie and rest. And, and, and you can lie, you know, and then you can lie, you can imagine yourself sitting and doing the movement, then go do the movement another one or two times. So in a half hour lesson will end up being, let's say, an hour lesson. But you don't have to do it in an hour. You do it half an hour. You know where you go up to and then continue the same process. And you will teach your, you will develop the, the, the organization or learn how to be we in line, you know, sitting in a chair without getting pain so quickly or getting the pain. Uh, then in terms of flying on the floor, you know, you can put, you know, movers mats. I like mover, movers mats, uh, cotton ones. And I just, you fold them in half and you do two or three of them. They cost, I don't know, $10 or $14. But try, I, I personally really prefer the, the cotton ones, both in terms of lying on cotton and not on synthetic, but also because the synthetic tend to be slippery. So, so um, a, a, and you can do 
you know, three of those, this is six max, it's like almost like a futon. So as you get better at this, maybe in a few, you know, a week or two or three, you can do a little bit on the floor and see if that's doable and then do on the bed and on the floor and on the bed. But but start on the bed. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. That's, uh, we got bless you both and thank you from Gail Rivers. Okay. Thank you, Gail. Yeah. And um, so, so, okay. And another thing, yeah. Kimberly Thielen or Thielen Schneider, thank you for this. Yeah. And that's, that's that we covered. That's wonderful. And, and let us know maybe in the next, we don't know who, who is, if the same people come, let us know if any of that helped, any of those suggestions helped. And of course, there's everything else. Uh, exercise. And please, you know, please send us messages on, on Facebook. Facebook. We'd know, love to yeah. know. And then there, oh, I wanted to mention that I forgot. And I'm going to have, I'm going to, uh, I don't know if I will be able to arrange for a live one, but with Richard Miller, who does the eye uh, rest yoga, you know, Richard from the neuro. Oh, okay. He's going to do a podcast for me. And then, uh, and then, so I love the work of Byron Katie. Uh, I really love the work of Byron Katie. So uh, just Google Byron Katie. She has a, the four questions. You know, she has a lot of materials on her website. Uh, I think, and there's also, I think, a link. People can see her. We, ha- we, we She came to the center a few years ago, and there's a bit of uh, two hours with her. Uh, she's an amazing way to develop a way to embrace what's happening, stay effective in it and drop at least some of the suffering, if not all of it. And um, of course, mindful meditation. I love the work of, uh, I should put it on Facebook because he's selling it now for 13 or $14 is um, the guy that I love. My favorite Vipassana teacher. Oh, Jack Cornfield? Yeah, Jack Cornfield. I, I, I got an email and he teaches about, he's, a, he's, he's an amazing uh, meditation teacher, uh, Jack Cornfield. So we can post it on the website. So this is the other, si- other things you can do that are wonderful, you know, work really well with our approach. There's like zero, I mean, neurologically and, and every other way. So thank you very, very much. We'll put all what I mentioned, the recommendations on Facebook, a link to Byron Katie's website, to Jack Cornfield's uh, offer to get uh, eight, all his teachings. Fantastic. Yes. I'm on it. Yeah, good. I'm going to do it too. So just a couple of closing comments. Many thanks for your podcast. They're always so inspiring and full of good advice. That's from Allah again. Amy Salento. Hi, Amy. Hi, Thank you, Anat Neil and Raquel Colombo, hi Raquel. These live chats are amazing. Thank you both. Well, okay. thank you all for being with us. I mean, it's it's a, a huge gift for us to to feel your presence on the other side of the camera and to get such amazing feedback. I know that some people ask, is it possible to view these after the event? And it absolutely is. You First of go. all, on our Facebook page or our website. And, and that, which is anadbanielmethod.com and there's the links to all of the all of them yeah. how many have we done now this is number 25 okay we're coming we're coming and yeah. we should have a list i know because i listened to a podcast the other day and it gave the list of like 
you can go on iTunes and this and that or wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. Because yeah, these are available on audio yeah, too. Yeah, available everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> so thank you very much and have a great week. Yes. Thank you. And thank you, Neil. Thank you, Anand. Always. Thank you for joining us on Neuro Movement Revolution with Anand Benyal. You will find all of our podcasts and additional resources on our website at www.anatbenielmethod.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We look forward to seeing you online for our next Neuro Movement Revolution.